And welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket podcast, recording here on a Thursday night after, uh, you know, was going to record this yesterday on Wednesday, uh, but only had time really to do one podcast and had to talk about the PLL MLL Mojo. So you can go check out last episode uh, if you want any uh, info or my thoughts, reactions on. That today we continue our conference early conference um, season preview, uh, going through all the conferences in Division One lacrosse. La- uh, last, well, not last, but on Tuesday of this week, uh, I looked at the ACC, and so now going alphabetically, obviously, we move to the America East. And uh, do you want to preface this? Uh, before getting into any conference, at least until we hear something. Um, one, we don't know which teams are going to play and not play. Um, I have heard maybe two teams, no, I have on record that two teams are leaning towards not playing, um, not in the America East, but just overall in college across. Uh, and I will say those two teams are not in the America East. And I'll give a little hint, they are... In the north, that narrows it down, especially in a sport like lacrosse, doesn't it? Um, but there are two teams that I know of that are not going to play, or are leaning towards not playing. We'll see if that changes. Um, we obviously know Hampton has opted out of the season. That's the only really things I have right now, um, as far as season. We know the NEC has released their schedule. Uh, conference schedule, and I believe it begins March 20th, if I'm not mistaken, from what I heard. Um, Coach Greg Raymond, the Hobart head coach, uh, mentioned that on the Hobart Lacrosse podcast. It's a uh, kind of in-house podcast that they do uh, with their sports information team. Um, so uh, I'll actually I'll link that episode, uh, the link to that in the show notes, but you can find it on you know, Apple Podcast and I think Spotify and multiple other places, just as you can, the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. That's a good good little drop there. Um, <clears throat> so, essentially, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the season, uh, but I'll tell you right now, there will be a season. Um, if you think otherwise, you, you, you know, Lucas or whatever. <laughs> um, trying to be nice here. Um, we will have a season. And... It will probably, from what I've heard, start probably late February, early March for most teams. Uh, we'll probably have some early February games, but I'm not sure how exactly how many. So we'll see what happens. Uh, high school lacrosse actually starts uh, in a little over a month. Uh, the state of North Carolina starting their high school season in January because they're playing spring football in March through May, so front end of a lacrosse season, back end of spring will be football season. That's uh, that's that's always fun. Lacrosse and baseball in 30-degree weather. Yes, that's great job, North Carolina. Great job. Um, moving back to, to college here and moving back to the America East. You know, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, but 
for a lot of these mid-major conferences, what I'm going to do is I'm not going to go through every team like I did with the ACC and like I will do with the Big Ten. But what I'm going to do is kind of identify uh, the top two contenders and then maybe give a dark horse pick um, or a team that I think is you know intriguing that could move up um, and contend for a title. Um, and then I'll kind of gloss over uh, the other teams as well and just give kind of some anecdotal things uh, from those teams, <clears throat> or about those teams. So coming into 2021, the top two teams in the America East, the top two contenders, uh, I don't think it's uh, any question that Albany and Stony Brook are the top two teams in the America East. Obviously, Albany has been to a championship weekend in, what was that, 2018 when they went there. They, you know, 2019 was pretty pitiful um, for them uh, from going from championship weekend, and they dropped about as far and as hard as anyone could. Um, but 2019, oh, me, 2020, they had bounced back a bit. Uh, Dehoka Nanakoke was starting to look like um, what we, I mean, we saw him really shine as a freshman, but he had kind of fields with him. Sophomore year, he struggled, and because of his style of play, he's more of a ball carrier, a dominant ball carrier. He's more of a, you know, kind of in, in you know, a, a dodger, you know, carrying the ball. Like, he, he's not the kind of guy who's going to be the quarterback of an offense. Um, he's certainly the focal point of the offense, uh, but he's not because of the style that he plays and how he uses his body and 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 and, and uh, invite contact and all of that. His style of play is not akin to. Um, I think a lot of people mis misguide it and say, "Well, he's not a leader. He can't lead an offense." That's not true. He can he can lead an offense, but his style of play just doesn't fit with that kind of feeder mentality, that kind of, um, you know, a, a Michael Sowers type, like the, like they play the same position, but the, the two styles of play could not be any different. Um, and Dehoka Nanakoke, I think we really saw him take a step forward last year uh, as a junior, really stepping up, being the guy. And I think he struggled early on in his career, to be honest with you, with a lot of the hype that was put on him. Um, a lot of the pressure that was on him to to really succeed and be kind of uh, the man on campus, uh, if you will, uh, on the lacrosse side. And uh, I think we started to see him develop more um, and develop more parts of his game last year. So it's going to be a big year for him. And I honestly do think this is a big year for Albany, just in general. Um, And, you know, I mentioned Dehoka um, and... He's not the only guy they've been back. Um, they and if you read my Albany preview, you know, I wrote the previews back in uh, August. Uh, these early previews back in August started August 11th, and uh, we obviously didn't have 2021 uh, rosters for everybody yet, um, and so we didn't exactly know who was coming back. Uh, but we do now know that Jacob Patterson is coming back for Albany as well. Um, he had 20 points last year. He's more of the feeder type on that offense. He's more of the passer. Uh, Dehoka is more of the 
you know, bully you, kind of goal scorer uh, type guy. Uh, Dehoka had 27 points last year. Patterson had 20. And then also uh, Corey Yonker, who is an attackman. He'll be a junior uh, out of Churchillville, Chile, New York. I'm not exactly sure where that is. Um, I want to say upstate somewhere, if I remember correctly. Um, but and they get a lot of guys from that upstate New York area. Um, he had 18 points last year, 10 goals, 8 assists. So pretty balanced performance from him as a sophomore. And then, you know, uh, a guy I really like on this team, uh, Graydon Hogue, I believe is how you pronounce the last name. Um, not Hog, Hogue. Um, freshman out of uh, Ontario uh, last year. He's one of the, the top midfielders. Uh, he had 15 points, 11 goals, 4 assists. I think those, you know, Dehoka, Patterson, Yonker, and Hogue, uh, that's going to be kind of the focal point of the offense, the top guys. Uh, those are the guys that were double-digit point-getters last year. We'll see the offense really kind of rally around those guys again, especially around Dehoka and around Patterson. Uh, I you know getting getting Patterson back is is absolutely is absolutely huge for this team, um, and we know what kind of offense they have. We know that kind of fast paced offense they play, that free flowing style they play. But the one thing, and I mentioned this in my preview article, you honestly like, and you know the old adage, defense wins championships. Well, that's like they need that at Albany to win. To be honest with y'all, like. When they have been the most successful, they've had the best defenses. And they don't have to have the best poles in the world. You know, Tanner Hay is a great defender, and he's the best defender uh, returning, uh, coming in as a junior. And then Michael Kozar, uh, who is a senior this year, uh, those are the top two poles returning. But the big piece of this defense will be Liam Donnelly um, in goal. He's transferring over from Utah. He has two years. He's a grad transfer, but he has two years of eligibility left, I believe. Uh, so he'll be uh, a day one starter uh, in you know for the Danes here in 2021. He's a huge pickup on the defensive end, really, because you no know, Nate Sikirsky, um graduated. He was a solid goalie. He's in the in the pro game now. Um, we'll see what happens with him and the whole mojo and all that. What, what, if he gets a spot in the PLL, uh, but he, you know he got drafted by the Outlaws uh, and actually played a bit last year. I think it was the Outlaws, but I know he actually played a bit. Um, and he was a solid goaltender. And so you had a solid goaltender last year. You think you're going to lose him, but you get Liam Donnelly, plug him in there. I think he'll do fine. And as I said, I believe he, had, he has two years left on his uh, eligibility, um, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a huge get for, for Albany. And, and this defense is probably – and, like, I don't think Donnelly is a Blaze Reardon or a J.D. Colaruso um, or even even a, a cleaner. Like, I don't think he's one of those elite caliber guys. Uh, we'll see what he can do. I think he's certainly a really good goaltender. And one of the better ones in the American East now. Um, so Albany, obviously offense is flashy and, and everything like that. But their defense, I think, is really going to be solid this year. Um, especially in cage. 
And then I though the one question mark I do have for them is the faceoff dot. They have not been the same since um, TD Owen transferred. And then I uh, I think it was Zach Ornstein was the backup guy that went to Villanova. Um, and he had a solid career at Villanova. He's now graduated, I think. Um, so since they lost those two guys, they haven't been good at all at the faceoff dot. It's actually been pretty sad to watch. Um, if you're an Albany fan, if you like to watch Albany, it's been pretty sad. Uh, but they figured out um, a way last year. You know, they, they were decent. I can't remember who the guy was. Um, and I just closed out the roster on um, on the internet here. Uh, but I, you know, I'm not exactly sure who they'll put there. I think they have a number of guys that they could put there. So we'll see what happens there at the face-off dot for Albany. Heading, you know, downstate, I guess you would say, um, to Long Island uh, with the Stony Brook Seawolves and you know, second-year head coach and Anthony Gallardi. You know, uh, they had a solid, solid 2020 season um, in kind of this new era of Stony Brook across the Gallardi era. Um, and this is a team, they, they, and I've talked about Stony Brook on this podcast before, you know, they've won the America East regular season championship in very recent history, 2018, 2019. And when they made that coaching change, it's not like there was a lot to take care of um, when Anthony Gallardi came in. Like, Jim Nagel did not leave the cupboard bare. Um, they had talent. They just, you know, they had gotten, like, and I didn't realize this until I wrote this preview article for them. You know, they've been, like, People don't realize they've been to the America East semifinals every year since like 2012, I believe. They've lost in the semifinals every year since 2012. 2012 was their NCAA tournament trip uh, with Rick Soule. They haven't been back since. They've been losing the semifinals every single year since then. Now, granted, a lot of those mid-2010s were against a Lyle Thompson-led uh, Albany team. And, you know, nobody beat those guys. But at the same time, even the post-Thompson era, and even in a couple of those intermediary years, uh, I think there was like one or two years there where, you know, Connor Fields was, was there at Albany, and they weren't doing too, too good. They weren't championship weekend caliber, but they were good. Um, even during those years, um, you know, Stony Brook was still losing in those semifinal games and consistently being, you know, kind of second fiddle to Albany. Um, I think, you know, Gallardi definitely has them going in the right direction to get back to the top of the America East. I don't think, you know, I think we should see a, I want to see an Albany-Stony Brook America East title game um, appearance or title game matchup this year. Um, you know, they were solid last year. Stony Brook was. And they return, like, a big thing with them, they return eight fifth-year guys. Um, Attackman Tom Hahn and Corey Van Jehoven, I believe is how you pronounce it. Midfielder Chris Pickle, Connor Gripe, Harrison uh, Matuska. Uh, Matuska. Uh, I know he got drafted in the NLL. He's a two-way guy. Tom Dugan's coming back at the midfield. Uh, Michael Bollinger was a solid goaltender for them last year. He's coming back. And then defenseman C.J. Trinkle is coming back as well. Um, this midfield was pretty solid. This offense in general is pretty solid. 
Uh, Tom Hahn had 21 points last year. Van Jehoven, uh, those two guys kind of led the way for them. And then, you know, Pickle was was a solid uh, solid midfielder. And I mentioned uh, Matuska can play both ways. Uh, so we'll see how those guys kind of uh, fared this year. And then also Caleb Pearson at the midfield as well uh, returns. I, I really do like this this Stony Brook midfield. Uh, Wayne White is a guy who, you know, he suffered a season-ending injury uh, after the first game uh, of 2019. And he came back last year and absolutely, like, he didn't, he didn't make a ton of headlines, and he wasn't the guy that everyone was talking about. But he had seven goals and six assists coming off of what I – and don't quote me on this, but I believe it was a knee injury that he had had because um, he was out for the whole season. I think it was a knee or a foot injury, um, if I'm not mistaken. And so I think I think Wayne White is going to have a breakout year this year. Um, I've, I've, writ that, I've written that, but I have written that um, is part of my the article I did uh, looking at some guys that could have breakout years. I think Wayne White is definitely in that camp. So this this Stony Brook offense, I think they're well-rounded. I think they are solid. Um, they have a lot of guys uh, that may be a little more un, like unproven that I think this year, especially a lot of these fifth-year guys coming back, are really going to step up and you know take control and lead this team where they want want this team to go, offensively speaking. Now, the one area I do I do question Stony Brook in is their defense, and I just mentioned with Albany how the defense wins championships, and how Albany always wins when they have good defense, despite how good their offense is, and I believe in their offense. It's kind of vice versa with Stony Brook because I don't really believe in this defense. Like, I think they've got good pieces, but they, like, these guys together as a unit have not really shown me that they're ready to lead a America East title contending. Like, they haven't shown me they're a top flight defense in the America East. Trinkle had six goals, five cost turnovers last year. He's coming back as a fifth year guy. Um, Michael Sabella is coming back as well. So the other, the all three of their starting poles, uh, close defensemen are coming back from last year. So I think I think that's good from a cohesion standpoint. Uh, Michael Sabella had 14 ground balls, eight cost turnovers. Danny Cassidy, who's a senior, uh, they're both coming back. And then you know one guy that I do like, so- uh, sophomore LSM Christian Loud. He had 13 ground balls, seven cars, turnovers last season. I think that solid kind of mix of maybe veteran and um, youth experience on the back end will help them. I think they should be um, maybe more cohesive of a unit. There's a possibility of that, but from what I saw last year, I'm still not. I'm not ready to. Put all my eggs in, in, in one basket and say this is a defense that's going to be successful. I mean, they gave up. I mean, they were see trying to find the, these stats here. Um, if I can find them, like they gave up a ton of goals last year. Like they were not in the. I know they weren't in the top half of D one in uh, goals allowed, goals per game, 
Um, and then, you know, in cage, Bollinger comes back. He was 52% safe percentage. You know, that's fine. He's been pretty solid for them. And, you know, he'll, he'll have to anchor this defense again in 2021. But as I mentioned, I don't have, like, I think they'll be better than last year, but I'm just not certain. I'm not, I'm not willing here in December to put all my eggs in one basket and say, this is a championship caliber defense. Um, one area that I that I am excited about at for, for the Stony Brook team is the faceoff dot. Uh, Lenz Conlin, I believe is how you pronounce his name, transferred in last season from Division II Franklin Pierce. He went 87 for 162 at the dot, 53%. Uh, one of the better uh, you know, faceoff men transfers last year kind of flew under the radar a bit coming from a D2 program. But he was solid, I think, at the D1 level. Like, he's a junior this year. He should only increase his level of play uh, second year into the D1 level. So, I and I think, you know, his success, like, if you you always talk about, you know, the face-off guys, you know, is going to take the load off the defense. I think that's certainly a possibility here. Uh, if this defense can't figure it out, if they get have a game where they give up, 17, 15 goals again, uh, which in the shot clock era, like 10 to 15 goals isn't massive, but you're giving up 17, 21, whatever goals, that's just unacceptable for any defense. Um, I know that, that probably keeps defensive coordinators. No, that is a performance that keeps defensive coordinators uh, awake at night. Uh, thinking about uh, stays on the mind of, of not only the coaches, but uh, the players as well. Um, but I think, you know, Conlon's definitely a guy that you could argue is is kind of a um, you know he, he he levels the playing field. He takes some of that. Um, he's an intermediator, whatever the heck you. I can't think of the word right now, but you no, know, he's a guy that you can put in there, and uh, is going to take the pressure off the defense uh, in a sense. Moving on to. So those are my top two teams in the America East. I think I don't think many people can argue with that. Um, next two teams here that I do want to talk about as dark horse candidates are Vermont and UMBC. So we'll talk about Vermont first. And I mentioned I'm just going to kind of gloss over some of these teams. Um, the big thing with Vermont is defense. And the biggest hole on this team happens to be on defense. Uh, Nick Washuda, he ain't coming back. Uh, he was drafted in the program as well. Uh, one of the one of the better goalies that I think a, not a lot of people talked about in the country during his time at, at Vermont. I was a big Nick Washuda fan. Um, but, you know, they do lose him. But out in front of the cage, you know, they still have a solid unit. Um, Jackson Canfield was the leader of this defense last year as a freshman. Like He was one of the best freshman defensemen in the country last year. Coming back as a sophomore, I'm expecting big things from him. And then also Tim Manning and Will Jones coming back as well. Um, you know They were freshman and sophomore last year. You know, this unit is is pretty young, but I do think um, it is going to be a successful unit. Um, 
you know, Vermont, since Chris Fights has gotten to Burlington, you know, which was in 2017, that was his first season. The Catamounts, they finished. So here's their, uh, here's, here's their scoring defense rank uh, since his first year. 2017, they were top 15. They were top 10, finishing 7th in 2018. They were 10th in 2019. And they were 4th uh, in 2020. So they've been top 10, top 5 the past three seasons. And I know 2020 wasn't a full season. Um, and they were top 15 in 2017. So this, de- this defense has been a consistent. They kind of reload, not rebuild at that position. And uh, obviously, Washuda has been a big part of that. Um, I think Ryan Cornell, uh, he's a senior. Kind of looking at the stats, he's probably one of the one of the uh, big, you know, probably the, uh, what do you call it, the favorite um, from kind of an outsider's perspective looking in to get that job. Uh, he played in the first half of their season opener against Holy Cross, uh, made 10 saves, and then played the entire second half against Quinnipiac and Dartmouth. Uh, he had six and five saves in those two contests. Uh, junior Matt Schaefer uh, is also could be in the mix there. Uh, he saw action in three games in 2019. Didn't play in 2020, however. Uh, some other guys on this defense, kind of the middle of the field guys, uh, short stick defensive midfielder uh, Spencer Decker had a solid year last year. Nick Avalti, uh, sophomore LSM, uh, is also a guy that I would watch as well. Uh, and you know, the defense is, is good, but you know I think, and I mentioned what shoot is a big loss for them, but they also, they graduate Rob Hudson at the midfield and Ben French at the attack. And uh, those are the two biggest offensive guys. Like that's, I think that's over 20 points they lose there uh, just between those two guys. So, that's going to be tough to replace. They have some solid guys on that offense. Uh, Thomas uh, McCovey was a midfielder, a sophomore last year at the midfield spot. Um, all three of the top guys last year were from Ontario. That's kind of funny. Vermont, the uh, kind of Canadian capital of of, uh, of uh, America, I guess you could say. Um, you're practically in Canada, aren't you, when you're up there? Um, no, he had 15 points last year. Uh, McConvey did. Um, so he, he he'll be kind of the, the, the number one guy this year, as well as David Klosterman at attack and uh, Liam Ling, Limgos uh, at the attack as well. Connor Boyle and Colin Sharkey were freshmen that got a lot of run at the midfield spot last year. Moving on to UMBC, this is kind of my, uh, again, I mentioned with Vermont, they're my, they're my big dark horse contender here or pick here. But UMBC uh, is certainly, I think, if not right there with Vermont, uh, just a hair below them um, in terms of being a dark horse candidate in the American East. And UMBC, uh, the Retrievers, I'm a big Ryan Moran fan, by the way. Love what he's done with this program since taking over uh, ahead of the 2017 season. You know, he's ignited some, some fire. Uh, there in Catonsville. Uh, is it Catonsville or Catonsville? I think it's Catonsville. Um, obviously, 
upset Albany a few years ago. Um, and then they was it they upset the number one team in lacrosse and the number one team in basketball same week. You know they. Those social media departments still, uh, the marketing department still hanging on to those two wins. Um, in 2021, the Retrievers, you know, this is a team that's been, their identity has been on defense. But I got to tell you, like, I don't really like this defense this year. And not because I don't like the players on the team or don't think they have the talent. I just don't know what they're going to be. Um, you lose Jameson Kostner. I believe is how you pronounce his name. No one's ever corrected me on that, by the way. Uh, so if you have a correct pronunciation, hit me in the hit me in the DMs. Uh, Jameson Kostner uh, is now under uh, Peter Milliman as his DC at uh, Johns Hopkins, and he produced top twenty defense after top twenty defense at UMBC, uh, bringing that to Hopkins now. And you, know, you lose your uh, top, or you lose your defensive coordinator, and they also lose one of their top uh, defensemen as well. Uh, Colin Kastner is back as a senior. Um, I think he he's a yeah he's a senior this year. Colin Kastner is back. Jason Brewster, however, does not return for the Retrievers. That is a big hit to this defense to lose your DC and one of your top poles. Obviously, Kastner coming back is a good sign, but losing a uh, coach and an impactful pole is not the best situation. Um, so, outside of Kastner, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of what this defense can do. Um, like they have some good pieces, Tony Diallo, Den uh, Stefanos, um, are two, you know, returning close, uh, guys at close that I think can be really good. Uh, those sophomores, though. um, those, they're both sophomores, I believe. Um, and, you know, albeit they're good, they're still young pieces that haven't really had, that have had two stellar, uh, you know, defensemen leading the way in front of them. Uh, it's not like at Vermont where you have a lot of young guys that were thrust into a leadership leadership role um, upon arrival. Um, you know, and, and with your DC leaving, I just I'm not sure what this team is going to be on defense. Offensively, I, I'm excited for what they can do. Uh, Ryan Frawley, Brett McIntyre, both back on the attack. Um, Frawley led the team with 12 points last year, uh, 12 goals and five assists. Uh, McIntyre was seventh on the team in scoring four goals, two assists. We'll see if he can. Uh, he should probably uh, be more productive this year. Uh, then a lot of uh, guys coming back as well. Trevor uh, Pachorki, Steven Zacelli, we've how you pronounce that at the midfield. Brandon Galloway and Dane Hall look to lead that unit. Um, Alex Poma. Who was their starter at the faceoff dot? Um, he was a freshman last year. He comes back. Um, that's a big, big get for them. I think, like I mentioned with Stony Brook, Poma coming back uh, could help kind of uh, lessen some of those defensive woes. So we've taken a look at Albany, Stony Brook, Vermont, and UMBC. 
who I think are the top four teams in the America East. Albany, Stony Brook, I think, standing out amongst the rest. Vermont and UMBC are my kind of dark horse picks that uh, could contend for a title. Some of these other teams here, Hartford, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this before. I love what they have at the faceoff dot. A nice one-two punch there. Um, they got a transfer in from Hampton and Ian Groom. And you might say, okay, play to Hampton. I, I get it. You know, they, they don't play the best competition. Uh, with, and I think this year, uh, 2022 now, I think they should play a full D1 schedule. But they haven't played a full D1 schedule yet. Last year, I think they played all D1 except for one game, which was the uh, last game of the season. But I've seen Gloom in, I've seen Gloom in person, and for as many struggles as Hampton had with the number situation and all of that, um, having lots of scholarships and everything that kind of reduces the roster, um, and guys you know, get tired legs and whatnot, he was one of the most consistent players they had. And he, he's gone against, look at his numbers against the like better competition. He's gone toe-to-toe with everybody he's gone up against. Um, he's been a solid, solid uh, face-off guy over the past few seasons. And uh, a really kind of an under-the-radar kind of uh, transfer for the uh, Hawks and Ryan Martin. I should mention Ryan Martin will be out for the first game of the season because of a recruiting violation, which involves their other uh, face-off guy, Andrew uh, Mahoney. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. Andrew Mahoney. Um who transferred in from D3 Wilkes. Um, there was a, you can read about it, just look up Hartford recruiting violation. Uh, there was a uh, situation with how they uh, went about his recruitment that was not um, legal. Um, there were certain things you have to do moving from D3 to D1, and they didn't uh, do that. They didn't check to see if they had done that. Um, just kind of you know, oversight there. Um, not doing what they were supposed to, and not really realizing it. So Ryan Martin is out for the first uh, for the first game of the season, whenever that will be. And you know the Hawks. I think uh, they have a lot of kind of younger. They've got some some senior guys on the offense. Got a lot of veteran leadership. But I get think the one big point that you need to know about them is at that uh, face-off position. UMass, Lowell, Binghamton, and NJIT are the last three teams here. UMass, Lowell, you know, they, like, and I wrote in my preview, I think the title was, like, the UMass, Lowell roller coaster uh, needs to go, uh, should be going up now because that's what their program's kind of been, a roller coaster. They'll, you know, dip, Go up, dip, go up, and they've done that. Um, you know, they went eight and eight overall in uh, 2018. Three and three in the America East. We uh, uh, gave Albany a run for their money in the NCA in the America East uh, semifinals. Uh, so we sh- could could see something similar from the Riverhawks here in 20. 20- 
21. I do think that perpetual roller coaster could go up this year. Now, how much? Um, I I don't know. Does that mean a tournament, a a conference tournament both? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I still think there'll be a, a pretty decent team in 2021. Uh, they return almost everybody on offense. A sophomore Connor Foley uh, is going to be the leader of that group. Uh, their defense, you know. I'm not exactly that impressed with, or excuse me, I I'm not. Let me say this: I'm not uh, that high on. But they were they were the 39th best scoring defense in the nation last year. Uh, I think they can certainly improve on that. Um, with I mean, I think they graduated their top poll. Yep, graduated their top poll, uh, but do return to uh, full-time starters. Eric Flynn is a, a name to know certainly. On the back end for uh, the Riverhawks, he's a solid player. He's uh, going to be the leader on that back end. Uh, moving to Binghamton, Coach McEwen uh, up there. Good man, Coach Kevin McEwen. Uh, good coach, good, better person. I've had the pleasure of uh, meeting him multiple times. Uh, great guy up there, doing good things at his alma mater. You know, took them to the America East title game in 20, I believe, what was it 2017? Uh, was his first year there. And uh, they haven't been too, too good over the past few seasons. Um, they went 1 and 5 last year, 4 and 11 in 2018, and 2 and 11 in 2019. They haven't been too, too good, but they've had some young guys. And, uh, you know, uh, that are, are, are kind of grown up now. And we might see them. You know, I, I think they'll definitely get more uh, than two or one win this year. Certainly, uh, probably around five or six, if depending on how many games we play. I think this is going to be a team that's going to be a lot better than they have been. Uh, Kevin uh, Winkoff, uh, he's an attackman and midfielder, uh, listed as both uh, as a junior. He's going to be the leader. Uh, Justin Rodoka, a senior attackman, going to be kind of another leader on that offensive end. He's the primary uh, goal scorer, uh, 12 goals last year to lead the team in that category. You know, on the um, on the back end, Tommy uh, Go, uh, Galongo is uh, he started five of those six games last year. He's the top returning close defenseman. Uh, junior Drew Furlong, uh, 22 ground balls and was one, one caused turnover. Got one caused turnover, uh, also returning as well. So uh, some two. Uh, no, they have what I'm trying to get at here. They have a lot of experience um, on the back end. Uh, you know the biggest issue for them. They have a lot of a lot of experience on both ends. Biggest issue for them at that faceoff dot. Uh, redshirt sophomore Brennan uh, Rizzuto went thirty seven percent last year. You know, in today's game, you can't go thirty seven percent and win lacrosse games. Um, I know Villanova went like what twenty percent or something like that. Um, o- what was that? They went like 
like it was literally like they won two faceoffs against Denver and Trevor Baptiste in uh, 2018, I want to say, and won the game somehow. Um, that was obviously before the shot clock, but you know it, it can be done, but not 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 uh, very often. You can go 37 percent in a season, uh, or not even 37 percent in a game, and uh, and win. Uh, you know, more or less, you need to be around that 50% mark uh, to be uh, considered you know, solid. Um, being 60% or above, I think, is really... Uh, it's always been the benchmark, but I think even more in today's game has been the benchmark. Um, NJIT. This is a team that I mentioned... I think I mentioned in the opening, they're moving to the America East this year. We'll see what happens for them. You know, I think the move to the America East is certainly a good one. It will better their program in the long run, but we're not going to see those benefits maybe the first year, you know, this year, or even 2022. I think it'll be 2023 before we really see them uh, be competitive in this conference. Um, you know, they are like th- their defense is probably the best thing about this team. I mean, they ranked near the bottom in every category except for defense last year. Uh, they allowed 12, no, let's, let's call that 12, uh, 12.3 goals per game, round it down a bit there, uh, 12.43 to be exact. Uh, so around 12.3 goals per game. Um, and they returned one full-time starter on that end, Luke Bender who's I think is the name to know for them. Um, their defense has always been pretty solid. Um, and we should probably see that again in 2021, but I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not hoping, um, I'm not holding out hope for this team to, you know, surprise anyone in 2021. Um, you know, they, they, they face an uphill battle here in the America East, obviously being a newer, a newer, uh, team, newer program in a, uh, conference that has sent, uh, teams to the NCAA quarterfinals and to championship weekend in recent history. Uh, we'll see what they do, but I, I certainly don't think they're going to do too, too much in 2021. As I mentioned, uh, Luke Bender. Uh, the one guy to know on that defensive. And Colin Fog- uh, Fogarty, I believe is how you pronounce it, uh, the man to know on that offensive end. Gavin Wilson also coming back as well. And Eric Sherman, uh, three of the better players on that offensive end to know. And Cage, Liam Brown. Should be the starter in cage again. And I mentioned that defense should be uh, pretty solid, even with a lot of uh, departures. Moving, kind of wrapping things up here. Um, as I mentioned on the ACC podcast, I will give my predictions for uh, all, you know, kind of the, how things will finish in the America East. And I've kind of, kind of talked about these teams off of those predictions. Number one, Albany. Number two, Stony Brook. Number three, Vermont. 
number four, UM, UMBC. Always difficult to say. I always want to say it really fast. Um, number five, Hartford. Number six, UMass Lowell. Number seven, Binghamton. Number eight, NJIT. That is how I'm seeing things finish out in the American East. As I mentioned, Albany, Stony Brook, I think are the clear-cut title contenders. Vermont and UMBC certainly have the ability, have the talent to also contend and maybe shock the world, um, as UMBC did a few years ago. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the American East. But without a doubt, Albany and Stony Brook, the top two teams coming into the 2021 season. That'll do it for this episode of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. As always, you can subscribe and listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on you know whatever platform y'all are listening to this on. Apple Podcasts, Google uh, Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and a whole bunch of other ones that, honestly, I ain't never heard of before. Um, Sunday, we will have a mailbag episode, as always. Um, you can send in your questions via Twitter, Instagram, and email. Twitter and Instagram for the uh, website is at Bucket, as well as on Facebook. My personal Twitter, at Tanner underscore Demling. And then you can email contact at lacrossebucket.com. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great, re- re- have a great rest of the week.